We'll be going live in 10 minutes. It's the weekly My Amazon Guy live Q&A. I'm Jason Master Mateo.
five more minutes and we'll be live on the My Amazon Guy live Q&A with Jason Master Mateo weekly Fridays at 12 Eastern.
We'll be live in one minute. The My Amazon Guy live Q&A weekly Fridays at 12 Eastern. Hey, how's it going? Wait, hold on. Let's do it this way. Whoa, hold on. <laughs> Maybe not. That was too Whatever you want. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to the My Amazon Guy live Q&A with Matthew Davis and Jason Master Mateo, me. And we're here to answer any and all of your Amazon questions, your Walmart questions, your questions about the NFL and that <laughs> riveting game last night. Woo, that was exciting. Um, Matt, again, thank you for joining us. Matt, it will be, here, be here permanently, uh, as all, um, every Friday to answer all of our PPC questions and, um, yeah, let's, uh, oh, I do have one piece of news. Um, all right, let's hear it. yeah, so, so we get, been getting a lot of, uh, uh, from the UK clients going, Hey, Royal Mail is not available. Um, and I go in looking and I'm like, yeah, it's not. So apparently there's strike, there's a strike going on or something. I don't know. I got a couple news articles here. I'm still trying to figure it out, but um, I guess the strike started in the summer. Um, but yeah, if you're in the UK and you're seeing a Royal Mail not available, that's my best guess. <laughs> or Amazon's just going to, with the other carrier. I think it's DRD or DND or something like that. But yeah, that's my one piece of news. <laughs> so let's uh, get to the questions, Geraldine. Mm. Ooh, starting out with another superspeaker right off the bat. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, hello, guys. I have a fast-moving product. Many reviews, 4,000 organic keywords, but it's sold very cheap, $11.99, and the margins are low because of PPC. I'm always in the negative. There's a part two here. I have several three-keyword exact match campaigns. Very, very, very specific. It's the right way. What do you recommend? Is the, it, it's this the right way he's asking? Um, yeah. Can you go back to the first part of this question, please, Jason? Um, yes. Yeah, so, Dayu, this is why I sometimes say to anybody who's looking to develop a product on Amazon and they're looking for what are some of the key features of like, hey, I've got this business and I want to sell on Amazon and I'm not exactly sure which product I want to go for. Give me a good product. One of the key things that I'll talk about is price point. Um, and this is why, right? Because you'll find if you don't figure this math out ahead of time, right? What is your average cost per click? What is your average conversion rate? And put that up against your total sale price and your landed cost, right? Your landed cost is just how much money it takes you per unit to get that unit to Amazon ready to sell. You've paid all your fees, right? It's ready to go. Um, that is going to tell you how much difference you have in a unit by unit basis to spend on Amazon, right? So you're running into this where you're converting well. It sounds like the PPC is effectively targeted, 
but it's just you can't convert at 100 percent and the cost per click is high and you have a cheap product so that's how you're my guess without seeing your conversion numbers that's probably how you're ending up in the negative d um so what i would say is yes typically um isolated keywords are their design is to be narrow focused i.e the highest conversion um you know that's what their focus is however however right because those are obviously um, often the juiciest, juiciest targets, um, they will often also be the most expensive, right? Cost per click is determined by this is an auction, right? It's the same as if we were going to go bid on a painting, right? The painting that everybody wants, the cost goes way up. This is no different. So what I would say is, yeah, you don't want to get rid of those campaigns, D, because they're converting for you. You might try bid adjusting them down to see if that helps with the A cost that will slow the rate of traffic, right? So you won't get probably as much top line, you won't get as many sales, but you probably all things being equal, will get them more at a more efficient pace. But really what you need to do D is because those, those hero keyword exacts are always going to be expensive, right? And this is why I say target liberally bid conservatively, right? So I would bid adjust those to a point where I'm happy. Um, but then I would look at other ways, right? Look at modified broad match, look at maybe an auto campaign to see, right. To see if I can find, that's the great thing about like, um, non-exact campaigns is they will generate a search term report, which is some of the best real time data that you'll get about how your consumers are meeting and engaging with your products. Um, so I would say create maybe a, maybe a, um, a low budget broad match modified or a low budget auto campaign and see those right two, three days, a week later, see what those search terms are doing and look at that to, to help you, to help guide you along with the brand analytics tab and other tools that you have at your disposal to find some new things to target. And I wouldn't go straight for exact match. If you already have exact match converting, I would spread it, spread the love around a little bit. Um, I could go, I could talk about this all day. we got to move on, but book a coaching call with me or reach out in an email. I'll, I'll dive into that in greater depth. But the answer is you're on the right track. You need to target more things. And again, use bids, bring your bids down to control your cost. Don't say, I'm not going to target this or I'm not going to create that campaign because I can't afford it. Say, well, what can you afford, right? Can you afford a dollar a day, $2 a day? Anything's better than nothing. That'd be my suggestion. And this, uh, in addition to Matt's great analysis here, uh, of course. in this, in this uh, situation, you know, we've seen this a million times where, you know, you have a lower price point, but you're so relevant and you're indexing for so many keywords now. It might be time to start looking at some um, some price increase to get yourself profitable here. A dollar here, a dollar there. Uh, you'll be yeah, you'll be surprised that that yeah, you're gonna sell less units maybe, but um, you're gonna you're gonna increase your top line revenue. Yeah, I mean, here's the here's the way to test it, D. Right? Is it's like any other scientific experiment, right? From when you were in uh, primary school, right? You have to control all your variables, so. If you're getting ready to like, let's say you want a price hike from $11.99 to $12.99. First of all, no price changes more than 10% a week. Amazon doesn't like that. Um, but what you do is, right, don't change your price the same day you're changing your image, the same day you're doing a major retargeting on your Amazon ads, right? Keep everything as the same as much as possible and then have the one variable that you change as a test be the price, right? Go from $11.99 to $12.99D. If after a significant, no, after enough time, right? Two, three days, a week, whatever, you come back and you look at the data. If your CTR, your, that's your click-through rate and your conversion rate have not changed precipitously, meaning they have not dropped as a result of that price change, keep the price change, right? There's this idea that we always need to be the cheapest product to win on Amazon. And it's just not true, right? Really, um, 
ideal price point for most products on Amazon is like between 35 and 40 to 80, 90, 100. The reason being that's the sweet spot for like, you can still get impulse purchases. You can still get high conversion buys, right? They're not going to go and do their research too much at that price point, but there's still enough price there to where you have margin so that you can spend on advertising without going underwater. All right. All right. Let's go. <laughs> we can... all right. I think we got you covered there, D. <laughs> uh, got another super sticker uh, from D here. Thank you, D. Uh, can you explain, please, each column the search query dashboard at the ASIN level, the new thing, because I have a very hard time to understand them. Part two, I don't know exactly what applies in my ASIN and what columns are not. So, you know, there's a very in-depth 50-minute video, and Stephen Pope uh, goes line by line by but like literally tells you everything you need to know what everything means and why it's important. And that video is 40 minutes long. It's um, it's called uh, the ultimate guide, uh, the SEO search query performance phase four ICAP market funnel on YouTube. Um, so, I mean, there's so much data in there that, you know, we could spend 40 minutes on the show to uh, here to, um, to explain it, but I uh, use that as the reference and, um, and you, you'll get what the answers you need there. Uh, Geraldine, okay, thank you, dear. Part one, let's say I have a brand called Heart, but from my mistake, when I created one of my listings, I tipped Heart with a small H instead of Heart with big H, okay, because of this issue. I have uh, no control over the listing, and today, after five years, you created a listing, a Chinese seller took over the listing with his brand, completely different one. What can I do? The, the, the most likely issue here is, yeah, five years ago, you uh, created this listing and the brand, you you kind of messed up with the, the capitalization. But the issue here is going to be the UPC you used to create these listings, because um, we're seeing this tons the past month now, um, were probably likely bought, you know, from, you know, some other site. They weren't bought from GS1. They don't have a connection to your brand and they don't have a connection to your product. And we're seeing this a ton people getting hijacked because they bought UPCs off eBay or from some website instead of GS1. You need to get a GS1 first. If you already have one and that's not the case, then um, this is your hijacked. This is a ticket through brand registry, um, updating the listing that it has the small H to have the big H. So it matches your, your trademark and your brand. And that's one process. You gotta you know probably delete your listing for 24 hours and uh, do a full update with the brand name or get a brand name change and take Amazon with the uh, cell phone pictures of the product packaging uh, with the brand name on it. And then uh, take your listing back through brand registry by reporting the hijacker. Good question, D. Matthew, thank you, 10 bucks. All right, Chipotle burrito. <laughs> oh, Matt, you're muted. Hey, Dante. I was just gonna say thank you, Matt. That was very generous. Hey, Dante. Dante says, "What metrics do you see to tell if a keyword campaign is not performing well, and when do you know it's time to stop it?" That's a great question, Dante. So it's gonna vary a little bit, right? Like all those things I mentioned earlier are gonna have an impact, right? How many clicks until you're upside down? What's your conversion rate? What's your cost per click? Um, but we're so really metrics that you want to look at. Um, it's it, look at it like a funnel, right? So the, at the top level, you have your awareness, that's impressions, right? So if you're looking at impression count, that's gonna show you your reach. So that's important. 
right? Then at the next level, you have clicks. That's your engagement. Out of this much awareness, how much engagement, right? That'll show you how relevant you're targeting, how good your image is. At the bottom level is conversion, right? That's a sale. So I would say primarily like ACOS, right? Um, converted orders, but it's going to depend on start there with what your problem is, right? Do you have a problem of awareness, engagement, or sales? Um, but really, I would say total sale, right? Obviously, clicks, total sales, ACOS. If your ACOS is getting to a place where it's high, right? Um, and I would say, when is it time to stop it? If it's either irrelevant, meaning you haven't converted a single sale and you've got 20 plus clicks, it's going to be a little bit different for every campaign, every product. But 15, 20 clicks without a sale, it's probably time to stop it. But even one conversion, if it's relevant, I don't think you stop it. You just did reduce it down until it doesn't hurt you anymore. Right. So if it's relevant, Dante, and it's getting you sales, but let's say the A cost is 150%, right? And you're upside down on it. That just means, by the way, Dante, that right your ad cost of sale you're 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 spending 50 percent more than you actually made from the sale back right so you're losing money even though that it was effectively targeted and did convert um so that's relevant just it's just not worth it at that price right so it's not worth it at that bid but so bring the bid down see what that does if it's still running out of control and still costing you too much then you can stop it um if there's zero conversions and it's just bleeding it's everybody's going to give you a different number, right? It's going to depend on your total sale price. Like, right, a thousand dollar fridge will have a different click count than, you know, a five dollar energy drink. But I would say typically 15 to 20 clicks with no orders, look to stop it. If your A cost is high, look to bid reduce it. Um, if your impressions are low, look to increase bids, increase budget. Hope that helps. Cool peeps. Hi, Jason. My ACOS is around 26%. Tacos is 15% and 50% of my sales come from ads. How do I bring that 50% number down? What's typical? By the way, I have a three to one organic keyword to sponsor keyword ratio. Nice. That's great. Um, so I, what I would do is um, cool peeps. I would look at the... Um, Brand analytics, or also if you have like Cerebro or Heli like a Helium 10, like a third-party data tool, um, I like to do here what's called like a strike zone, right? Because it sounds to me like a cost of 26%. I don't know what your what your brand metrics are, but that's typically pretty healthy, right? And even tacos at 15% is pretty healthy. Um, now, if you're saying, okay, 50% of my ad my sales are coming from ads, I want it to be more like 30%. I hear you there. But so what I would do is um, do what we call a strike zone search, right? Just, just run a Cerebro search and look at um, where are you killing it on sponsored ads, right? What are the keywords, product terms, the searches that you are really doing well for in terms of volume and conversion where you really rank well? And then see the discrepancy between sponsored and organic. And that will give you a clue into the gap, right? That'll show you where you need to maybe um, put, a put a bit more skin in the game in terms of where to focus, right? So if I am advertising celsius energy drink right and um i've got you know i've spent uh i've got you know three converted orders on Celsius. well not not even converted orders i'm sorry i'm losing my train here so let's say i'm ranking um sponsored on celsius energy drink i'm ranking 10th in sponsored but on organic i'm like 90th right that is two things that should tell me one What's going on with my SEO, my image alt text, all those things I can update on the organic side to help double down on it. Two, am I really coming at this behavior on all sides from advertising or am I just targeting it in like a single keyword exact, right? Um, 
double down, triple down on the behaviors that you want to reinforce organically from a sponsor perspective, it will help. It's a trickle down effect, but it will help. But that's why, right, we say target liberally, big conservatively. You don't want to just target Celsius live fit in one keyword exact, right? You do want to do that, but then you also want to target Celsius in a broad match and auto can and, 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 right? And then you let your bids control your cost. Um, so focus on the behaviors that you want to drive more organic sales to. Look at the discrepancy between sponsored and organic and find, create new campaigns or find new targeting methods to drive on those behaviors that you want to emphasize. Obviously, and including like update your SEO, right? Titles, bullets, all those things that you do on the listing side as well. Anything okay. add, Jason? Sorry. No, all good. Um, all right, Matt uh, says, uh, hi, Jason and Matt. You are familiar with my listings. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, can't seem to get any traction. You think I'm fighting or losing a my products have failed. Let's bring it up on the screen. Let's see. Yeah, please. Uh, hold on one second. Share my screen. All right. Let's look at some gnomes. B09, B4, RS, D, and B. Motorcycle guy. All right. See, we, we've changed the main image since the last time I was here. I see that. This is nice. Um, let's look here. All right, all right, all right. Hmm. So your question here is, can't seem to get any traction. I think I'm fighting losing battle and my products have failed. It's so, such a, go ahead, Matt. I was gonna say, Matthew, um, what I would start with um, is, what is my problem, right? It's kind of going back to that conversation I mentioned a couple questions ago, right? Do you have a, is it, is it your problem, a problem of awareness, right? You're not getting enough impressions. Is it a problem of engagement? You're getting the reach, you're getting impressions, but not enough clicks or at the bottom level, you're getting impressions, you're getting clicks, but then at the bottom level, they're not converting into sales. Those are three that like, you need to figure out where your primary problem is, right? Cause that's gonna, if it's a problem of conversion, then like you got to figure out what it is that um, that's that's preventing you from converting. Right. So are there other garden known products in the Amazon market space that are killing it? What are some of the things they're doing? Right. If there's not. Right. What is the overall volume for garden gnomes on Amazon? Right. You're right in that not every product can win on Amazon, but that's where I would start. Right. So if it's a problem of conversion, it looks like you just updated your image. Right. Um, but who is winning? Who is crushing? for garden gnomes or for like, like related products on Amazon and what sort of things are they doing, right? If you look at their listing, their titles and bullets are going to give you a clue to their targeting behaviors. Um, I would also take a deep dive into the data, right? Like, am I converting more like, for example, on placements, right? Do I convert better on product page or top of search? Do you know that Matthew? Cause I can tell you the data is in there, right? So you, I want to, I would love to like, just say, here's the answer. But you have to get, I want to say, you have to get very specific about defining the problem first, right? And I know it's very easy to just go, well, my products aren't failing. My products are failing. They're not selling, right? Sure. That's, that's typically the problem on Amazon, right? But why, right? Is it because my campaigns aren't generating the reach that they need? Is it because they're not generating the engagement that they need? Or is it because that they're not getting the conversion that they need? Each one of those problems has a, a potential set of, of solutions. Um, 
So what, look, what you doing there? You're looking at search volume over time. And I would yeah, say, I just, I, I just grabbed garden gnomes. I know that. So he's with, he's in a niche within a niche, you know? Yeah. Um, he's got, he's got these, um, lawn decorations, a decorative, but they're also, um, you know, funny, um, at the same time. So, you know, you're flat, you're coming off the worst part of your, your season, Matt. And right now at the end of September, beginning of October, you just need to sit there for another, you know, I know course shopping is coming. And then bam, dude, it, it goes up like 30x almost. No, no, sorry, not 30x, my bad. 6x. And then again, for whatever reason, I guess this is Mother's Day, maybe, uh, Father's Day. It, it, it spikes in May, in the early May for some reason. Um, let's try one more here. But let's grab, oh, there's Halloween garden gnomes. Yeah, it's just like, hmm. <laughs> Fairy garden gnomes, it's not really his niche. This one's all over the place. Not a lot of search volume on that. But the answer to your question here, in addition to what Matt said, uh, Matthew, is, is you're out of season at the moment. That, I mean, the data's there. Look at the data. Um, Hold on, steadfast. Make sure everything's optimized and and uh, prepare for all the traffic that you're about to get. Studio says, uh, "Oh, thanks, Studio, for the super super sticker." Michael, uh, thank you, new member, Michael. Thanks, all right, Michael. thanks. Thank you, sir. Uh, what do you recommend for photo uploads when creating a listing using a flat file? We use Google Drive, but it doesn't seem to work. I'll try Dropbox. Yeah, Dropbox isn't going to work. Google Drive isn't going to work. Um, if you link it from your Shopify store, it usually doesn't work. We we just go to imgur.com and upload the images there if it needs to be a, a link from a flat file, and that works just plenty fine. So I know that. Uh, hopefully you have another question. That's a very simple answer. <laughs> imgur.com i-m-g-u-r-d.com you can make a free account and upload as many images as you want studio 11 says amazon keeps changing my listing to migrate a template when i make change in the listing they're now requiring a completed hazmats report for each product in order to go back to fba all right so you probably have these products um not sure if you're doing this by flat file but the most common issue is um if you are doing it by flat file there's a valid value now that's not actually in the required. And you, if you left it blank before, like a couple of months ago, actually maybe a year ago, it, uh, it, didn't, it didn't affect, it didn't swap FBM to FBA or FBA to FBM. But you need to make sure that your um, fulfillment center ID is in the, in the flat file. So if you're FBA, Amazon underscore NA, if you're in North America, US, uh, has to be filled in in that column. If you're FBM, it needs to say default. Um, otherwise, it will swip swap stuff. So Studio says not by flat file. I see that down there. Um, it sounds like there's some sort of... Okay, so you're getting hazmat warning now. Um, so that means you want FBA. They're flipping it to FBM because it's not eligible for FBA because you need to go through hazmat review. Um, if you can tell me what type of product, but they're, if even if you didn't have to go through hazmat, review a year ago, they're always adding new products that are required to the, to the program um, if you if you didn't push through uh, hazmat review before. 
So if you had any type of like lithium batteries or what was the most recent one was a battery um, mica powder. What's what's mica powder? Let's see. Let's see what mica powder is. It's some sort of makeup, I'm guessing. Yeah, this is in beauty or, or arts and crafts. Epoxy resin. Yeah, 100% have to go through hazmat review. Um, they'll ask you for documentation if they need it, but usually um, they're going to just uh, take their time and review it for FBA. In the meantime, put your products on FBM uh, until they uh, get through their review. Lung Lung says, should I create one campaign, one keyword or five keyword, that same search volume in one campaign? How is it different? Okay. Uh, should I create one campaign with one keyword or five keywords that have that? I think you're asking if that had the same search volume in one campaign. How is it different? So I think you're asking, I have five keywords with roughly the same search volume. Should I put them all in the same campaign or should I split them up one campaign per or one keyword per campaign? I think that's what your question is. Follow up with me if I'm misinterpreting your question. So the answer is, um, I don't think five keywords isn't uh, is an extreme amount. So it depends on kind of if it's a research campaign or a hero campaign, right? So what I would say, Lung, is if this keyword is a keyword that either A, you really want to hyper-focus on, or B, and or B, right, has a, a great history of data, right, that show like maybe this is a keyword that you harvested out of your search term reports, you've had it in broad, phrase, exact, and it's killed it, right? It's done great all the way along. That's what we call a hero, right? So if you want to make sure that like, oh, I really want to make sure that all of this $20 budget goes to just this one search behavior, that's why it's important, right? Because long, what you have to realize is any campaign, any keyword campaign you create, right? It's the total budget divided by the total number of targets divided by the total number of places you're going to you're going to show those targets, right? You're going to show those ads. Um, so that $20 budget, if you have one keyword target, that's pretty robust. If you have 50, that's not much for each keyword, right? Um, so what I would say is you're not going to get a lot of keyword discrepancy, right? If they're roughly the same volume, but you will still bleed spend, right? So if it's really important that you drive a ton of traffic to one search behavior, keep it by itself, right? So that's why we call it a hero. A hero just means, right, like, man, the data shows that we really crush it for this. So I want to isolate it. I want to isolate it. I don't want any of the spend that I want to go to this winning behavior to get bled down to any of these other less effective behaviors. Right now, if it's a research campaign, you're like, oh, I think I've got like a, a cluster, a handful of good targets, and I want to test them to see what, what they do. Five or six keywords. I think it really it's it levels different for everybody. To me, anything under like 10 keywords, depending on the volume and budget, is probably fine. But it's just, do you want to do research or do you want it to be a hero? That's really the, it's just segmenting the amount of spend. Perfect. Eek says, can I pay you to fix my BSR? Is it with Saban? Um, it depends what kind of uh, issue it is. If it's a, a, a sales velocity issue, relevancy, you actually have your categories good and um, you're just trying to grow um, and, and, uh, get your your rankings up, uh, Matt uh, would probably be best there. If you're having category issues and your BSR is missing, or um, you know you're you, you have no BSR at all, that's a coaching call with Shabon for sure. 
Good evening or good afternoon, Kevin. Good to see you. Lakeland, Florida. Always. Love it. Uh, Thinkerist says how to add and delete A plus content images. All right, let's do it together. Let's go into Steven's account and mess around. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go to the A plus page here and share my screen. All right, we've got, let's pick one of these that's published. Here we go. Oh, it's a brand story. Hold on. Uh, there we go. So you're asking how to or how to add and delete eight plus content images. So here we are in the eight plus content console. Click edit on the top right, and here's your images. Um, if you want to edit these or add or delete, here's your image. Say we want to change this one, just click edit. You can drop the images in here, and then um, there you go. <laughs> or you can click remove image. <laughs> uh, if you're talking about adding modules, you go down to the bottom. This this particular A plus already has max amount of modules, but at the bottom here, there would be a little uh, plus button that says add module. And you can um, go ahead and pick your module type that you'd like to add and go from there. Nice and easy, right? Karen, thank you for the super sticker. I've uh, become a big fan of fixed bids for new campaigns, but I'm wondering at what point, if ever, do we switch it to dynamic down only? What are the poss possible criteria? Gosh, Karen, can I just say, I love your participation on these podcasts. You always come with like the best questions. Um, thank you so much for your participation. This is another one. Great. Um, I would 100% agree. Um, I didn't always think this way, but certainly the last six months or a year, almost any time I'm creating a new campaign, it's almost always fixed bids. Almost always. There are so rare an exception. Um, I would say um, the times to switch, I don't know if you're going to find a hard criteria, but so like if you're going to switch to dynamic up and down, that, again, that means you're confident. That means either A, I'm really confident I do well with this. I convert really well with this campaign or this search behavior. B, I am top line traffic awareness oriented and I don't care. Right. I don't care if it means my conversion or my a cost is going to skyrocket. Right. I want more top lines. I just want to be the first ad that they see, the first product they see. I don't care if it costs me money. Right. Those are typically the two times you go dynamic up and down. Right. It's very aggressive. Dynamic down is sort of the opposite. Right. So if it is really bleeding and you are trying to get much more conservative with that campaign, dynamic down is a, is a method that is effective at controlling cost. It will usually slow the rate of traffic acquisition, Karen, right? Because compared to a fixed bid, right? A fixed bid is $1.50, is $1.50, is $1.50. Dynamic down only, now you're letting Amazon have sort of an auto say, right? So it's $1.50 unless they think the traffic isn't good or your likelihood of conversion is low. And then that $1.50 bid automatically drops to a dollar or 75 cents or whatever Amazon, whatever Amazon decides. Here's the other thing I would say. Typically, you will have more success with any type of dynamic bidding, meaning where Amazon's doing the thinking for you to some degree, once the campaign's been running and indexing for a while, just like a, right, a new auto campaign or on a new product, if Amazon, if the algorithm doesn't have any history, it's prone to be far more inaccurate, right? So I would say, oh, I agree. 99% of the time I start with fixed bids, Karen. And then if I want to get more conservative because maybe the costs are running away and I, you know, I'm just, I want this campaign to get a trickle of data. I don't need it to be aggressive. It's a research campaign, whatever the reason, right? I might switch to dynamic, dynamic down. Typically I won't for at least like the first two weeks. 
because I want to build track. I want to build indexing and history first. But if I want to get more conservative, right, I want to see the A cost come down. Maybe the I don't care that the traffic slows. That's typically when you do it. Perfect. Thanks, Matt. This is a super sticker. Thank you, D. Uh, just so you, <clears throat> just so you can see how corrupt Amazon is. In five years, nobody disturbed me, and I'm the best seller in my subcategory since yesterday. I opened a case for changing the caps issue. China, the Chinese took over my listing. Yet, um, yet, like I said uh, in the previous question, there's a couple issues here. You need to you need to make sure that your UPC is a GS1 that's registered your your um, brand and the product, and then also probably do a UPC GS1 swap, a brand name change, uh, a delete and full update to get that capitalization error corrected. And then as well as a brand registry case, once that's all finished um, with the uh, GS1 certificate in, uh, included to remove the hijacker from the listing. Long, a lot, lot of stuff to do there. Thinkerish, uh, Q1, I launched this product on the 5th of September. I replaced the main images in Seller Central. Does it really take less than 24 hours for the changes to take effect to change an image? Um, so for question one, I thought it was, I was thought it was like quarter one. <laughs> go go back to the first one real quick, uh, Geraldine. All right, launched product 5th of September, replaced main images in Seller Central. Does it really take less than 24 hours to change this? For an image change, sometimes it can uh, happen like five minutes later. Um, especially if you're doing like through the bulk image tool that usually like really makes it go fast. But if you're just like going in the back end and swapping, yeah. And then other times, yeah, it, 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 you'll see it in the back end, but it's not displaying on the PDP. You go to bed and it's there. And then sometimes <laughs> you have to ticket Amazon, uh, or try and do a full update with the, the image in the flat file, the image link, uh, different ways you can do that. But bulk, if your images are not sticking, Use the bulk, even if it's not a bulk image update, use the bulk image update tool. It works like nine out of 10 times if your images aren't sticking and going on the PDP. There's a video on YouTube of uh, me demonstrating step-by-step uh, -step how to do that. Second question, should I place my account on vacation in the meantime, the changes take effect? Thank you. No, no, why? Unless the, the, image, the image that's still there is not representative of the product. If it's just a poorer image than the one that you're changing it to, then no, 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 no vacation mode. No, 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 no. I don't even put my store in vacation mode when I go on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Karen says, uh, an agency I'm working with is really bullish on DSP. We recommend nearly all clients have DSP, even if they're relatively small, but mainly clients PPC isn't doing well. Well, Matt has opinions on this. Tough competitive market where PPC is expensive and, under expensive and underperforming Okay, set up DSP, that's strategy. Is this a correct mythology? Do conversions from DSP even help with ranking? Lots of questions in there. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say, you know, everybody, everybody sort of has their own methodologies. Um, my feeling is the value of a DSP campaign is, is better for, it's not big or small, but it's with companies that have good brand awareness already, right? DSP is a middle to top of funnel strategy. It's to build awareness. Meaning, Karen, your cost per acquisition on DSP, if you can get a cost per sale that's like competitive with sponsored products on DSP, you are a master um, because it just doesn't typically happen, right? DSP is to build brand awareness, right? It's to build, it's to make new customers, new people who weren't aware of you, aware of you. And it's got a lot of cool stuff like 
great da great data metrics, right? Allows you to access other markets, allows you to link out, right? So if you're a company where, hey, I'm I've got a website, right? And I'm already doing a million in business annually on my website. And I want to run an Amazon ad that then takes them to my website because I can offer them a better uh, a better offer, a better coupon. And I can use the images with three exclamation points and all the things I want to do that Amazon won't let me do. That's an advantage of DSP, right? But DSP is a big budget, right? DSPs, you have to spend a minimum of 10K every month, right? So it's not going to be, I disagree with whoever said even for small, it's, it's impossible to do, first of all, if you're a small account, you won't get approved. So whoever told you that, I don't think maybe they have the, you, you have to have a, a certain spend level to get approved. Now, if they're an agency that wants to manage it for you, right, then they can get access to it. But that's, there's sort of a self-motivating uh, uh, motive there, profit motive there. What I would say is sponsored display does like 95% of D, what, what DSP does. Um, and there's no minimum cost to entry, right? Uh, it's the same cost to, to play as a sponsored brand video, right? You just have to have brand registry, have to have an ads account, and you can run it. I would say, yeah, if you're if you've been running display for a while and you're a mature brand and you've got big brand awareness and you've got a specific plan, like, OK, I need this to I need to start doing an attribution because I'm doing a lot of business on Facebook. I'm doing a lot of business on Google, wherever. And I want to drive that traffic and, and create like a um, an ecosystem, right? A brand ecosystem. That's when DSP is really, really valuable. But if you're if you're a new seller, right, or even if you're not a new seller and you are running five ASINs, and you have a thousand bucks a week as your budget, I, I would flat disagree. I definitely don't think you want to run DSP. And that's coming from somebody who says target liberally, bid conservatively, right? I believe in using all the campaign types available to you. Um, I don't think the value add for DSP is enough to make you want to jump through the hoops um, unless you're a fairly mature brand with a fairly mature brand presence. That's my opinion. New and yes, conversions, conversions always help with tracking, by the way, or, or uh, with ranking. Amazon is out to find the highest converting products for the highest converting searches. They don't care to some to for to a large extent where it comes from. So new Matt would have some uh, DSP opinions. <laughs> Jaleel, uh, when running a SD views remarketing campaign, is it better to optimize for views or conversions? Was told by Amazon vendor manager that optimizing for views for this specific target is better. Hold on that. <laughs> you you were told by your vendor manager <laughs> that optimizing you see how hard my eyes are rolling right now. <laughs> is, just think about why you why you think they would say this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course they're gonna say of course they want you to optimize for views, right? Remember, Amazon is a above all else, Jaleel. All I know it gets confusing because of all the things they do, right? Facebook does so many things, Amazon does so many things, right? All these all these services are advertising sellers at the end of the day right they sell ad space that is their primary uh profit model. um so yeah optimizing for views you're going to spend more jaleel now i would say i see i, I just i just flat disagree with this it's going to depend on what your what your goal is right yeah i agree that sponsored display is generally more mid to top of funnel but you're doing remarketing remarketing might not be so top of funnel right remarketing is people that maybe already have an interest in your product so it depends if you're just again which part of the funnel am I trying to fix, Jaleel, right? If I'm trying to fix awareness, I'm trying to grow my reach to make more people aware of me that were not aware before. Yeah, optimize for views. If I'm already, I'm getting plenty of traffic into my current campaigns I, for, for where I'm at, right? In my market, in my market development. 
And I'm trying to utilize some of the unique ways that CPM targeting, SD targeting, right? Remarketing. I'm trying to utilize some of those ways to get access, insights, new consumer insights and access to new consumers. But I'm trying to like maintain an ACOS and I'm not just trying to blow out my budget. You marry, you very well might want to optimize for conversions. I would say generally, Jaleel, don't take any advice directly from Amazon related to advertising at face value. It's not that it'll ever be like flat wrong or flat lie, but it'll always be geared towards making you spend more than you need to. Always. Just don't listen. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't trust Amazon. Just don't. So two, two years here. Uh, I don't know how many accounts I've seen. Thousands. Uh, twice have I seen we're optimizing for views in this situation made, made sense. And it was because of the goals of the, the company that was doing it. And they were heavily backed and they wanted to be the number one, no matter what they were blasting their stuff on TV. Uh, they were blasting their stuff on Facebook, Instagram, commercials, everything. So that they just wanted to get as many eyes on the product as possible. And, uh, with, with no, with no concern of cost, I like, you know, 400%, 500% a cost. Yes. Keep going. Like, so there are some situations. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, next Geraldine within the SD campaigns, when it comes to how many days you can look back and target how far back in terms of the days, do you guys see the best CBR? Yeah. I mean, again, <laughs> that's your, you're talking, you're, you're asking for sort of campaign specific feedback. And that's a, right. Like um, it's going to depend wildly based on the target, based yeah. on the, what you're targeting, the products, the targeting type. Um, what I would say in terms of conversion, right. Keep in mind the attribution windows. Um, it's typically um, 14 days for sponsored brand and sponsored display. So anything inside of that window, you may or may not be dealing with the full accumulation of data. Um I recommend when looking at conversion rate, I'll typically start, Julie, it also depends on how often I'm doing up, updates and optimizations, right? Typically, and this is not just for SD, but just in general, if I'm optimizing an account, I will toggle, I will toggle between time windows. So first I'll look at, and this is just me, it's not, this is the only way, um, I'll typically look at seven, last seven days, right? Because we're in the account multiple times a week, right? There's no client that we have where we're not at least looking at things three, four times a week, right? So last seven days, just to see, okay, how are we doing recently, right? How are things going in the most recent, um, you know, uh, data? And then I'll flip to like last 30 or last 45 or last 60 to see how that last seven days compares with, and that's not just with conversion rate, but anything, any stat that you're wanting to find out about, right? That will give you a sense of, because 30, 30 to 60 days is a much broader window. That'll give you a much sort of higher 30,000 foot view of what's going on. And then that'll show you the, the sort of tracking between macro and micro, right? So if my conversion rate over the last 30 days is 15% and my conversion rate over the last seven days is 11%, I know right there, there's something for me to investigate, right? Why did my conversion rate in the last, se in the last seven days, why is it 4%, right? Why is it a, a third less than it was typically, right? That's how you can sort of, Right. Those types of things will point you to where the problems are and point you to where your your successes are. So you can double down. Perfect. Next. Do you uh, I have a GS1 barcode, but it's on the company's name that sold me the brand. <laughs> Maybe I can change the company name of the GS1 certificate. So um, I just had a podcast on Tuesday with Michelle Kobe, the VP at GS1. Um, this question came up 
multiple times because everybody's running into it. Uh, currently, there's no way to change um, the uh, actual company on the GS1 certificate. Um, if you acquired that company, there is a support system that you can use through GS, gs1us.org um, where you have to fill out some documentation and they'll get everything moved over. But the reason why you're having this issue and the reason why you got hijacked is apparent now. And it's because um, do you, uh, whatever the old old company name was, let's say Jim's um, you know, LLC is on that GS1 certificate and Hart is on the brand on Amazon and there's a disconnect there. So um, you're gonna need a letter of authorization that you'll have to write to yourself or get that old company to write to you and uh, proceed that way. But you're in a tough spot because that GS1 is um, registered to that old LLC. Studio gave a super sticker, more thank stickers. you. More super stickers, thank you. Is this ASIN a hijacker from Mexico or is this ASIN selling Amazon selling my product globally? Let's find out. What do you think, Matt? So let's go to Amazon Mexico. Oh, oh, I typed it in wrong. What is it? Oh, there it is. We got there. We got there. We got there. Uh, B09, G4BDP, B3. All right. Oh, let's see. Sold by Amazon, Studio 11. So this is your NARF listing. <laughs> you have remote fulfillment enabled. Um, so what that does is allow you to sell in Canada and Mexico uh, via your Amazon FBA stock in the U.S. So nice job. <laughs> Rosina says, let's say it's still two more weeks for quarter four sales to kick in. Till then, is it wiser to save on PPC and spend low on PPC while the SBR low right now? Calm before the storm. Your views on this, please, Matthew. Yeah, uh, that's a great question, Rosina. What I would say is um, you never want to be completely out of the game, right? Think of Amazon advertising. It's not a light switch. It's like a windmill, right? So if you stop the windmill, even once you let the wind hit it again, it sort of takes some time to get going. Um, but yeah, obviously with search volume lower, um, also CPC will probably be lower. But this is, again, I'm going to come back to, you guys are going to notice, I'm going to come back to some tropes over and over again, right? Some common themes that I that I stick to. Um target liberally bid conservatively, right? So because you're right, because it is the calm before the storm, cost per click will probably be lower, right? So I would say not, I would target all the same things that you're going to target. So if you're going to target it for Q4, target it now, right? The only difference will be how much budget and how aggressively you're bidding for those behaviors now compared to three or four weeks from now, right? Once Q4 starts in earnest, yes, search volume is going to go way up, Yes, cost per click will also go way up, right? So your bids are going to need to come up to stay competitive, right? You're you're in an auction that gets more competitive as more people enter and try and place their bids, right? Um, so that's what I would say is not, I would target all the same things you're targeting, right? But yeah, keep your bids low. Um, look at that bid range. Look at your average cost per click over time as watermarks, right? How do you know if your bid's low or high, right? They give you in sponsored product anyway. They give you that suggested bid range, which is like the, other market, other people in the market that are competing for that behavior, what Amazon suggests you need to win uh, the impression, and then the 25th and 75th percentiles, right? And sort of gives you a range. And then your own cost per click will show directly related to your products over time, how much it's costing you. 
Those are watermarks that will tell you, am I bidding aggressively or conservatively? When the search volume is low, you want your um, you want your bids to be low, right? And then once the search volume gets more competitive, as the market heats up with Q4, just raise your bids. Perfect. <clears throat> Mustafa, how do you see the future of FBA wholesale in the USA marketplace? Brands are not giving approval without brick and mortar. What would be the solution? Don't go direct to consumer. Um, you're not going to get a vendor central invite unless you're some giant, giant, you know, company that Amazon wants. Um, and even then they're pushing these people out. A lot of the stuff we do here, I, I know Matt, hold on. I know you have experience here. Uh, a lot of the, the, the people that come to us are, are doing hybrid um, VC to SC full transitions. They're making more money. Yes, I get the argument on Facebook groups all the time. There are, there are times where VC makes sense, obviously, and you can still make money. Um, and it makes more sense for large companies that are already doing B2B and that sort of thing. But direct to consumer is the future. Sorry, Matt, go ahead. Yeah, the only thing I was going to say is I, I agree with everything. I wouldn't do one P at all, <laughs> but you can do um, you can do like a wholesale type thing where you're if you have a relationship with a manufacturer or supplier. Um, the key thing I would look for there is um, what's your overall go to market strategy. If you're doing wholesale, I wouldn't limit it to just Amazon, right? If you're going to do wholesale, meaning you're going to resell, you're going to do arbitrage. You're not going to do one P, but you're going to do arbitrage or whatever, buy products and then try and sell them. Um, you need your own website. You need to write, like you need to have a sort of understanding of what products you can move. Um, it's going to be a more, I wouldn't just do wholesale just on Amazon. If I was going to do like arbitrage, it would be yes, Amazon, but also my own website, also eBay, also, also. And then I'd have all those things to try and tie together to create a marketplace, an ecosystem. I'd be careful also just, with the, if you're gonna go to a distributor that's gonna sell your stuff on Amazon. That's the other thing is. Um, don't do it. The, the, they'll end up having, if you ever decide to go direct to consumer, you'll they'll have like control of your listings and brand registry and all this weird stuff that you're gonna is, have to deal with. Like, yeah. It, which is why it really only makes sense if you're doing it in other places, right? Like if you're, yeah. if you're signing up with a distributor because they're also stocking your products at Walmart. Yeah. Okay, right, then it probably makes sense. Um, but that's what I would say. I wouldn't these days, the, the days of, oh, I'm just going to live on Amazon and do wholesale or arbitrage. They're kind of dying, right? Like these days, if you're going to make it successful as a wholesaler, it's got to be a Amazon and, 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 and right? yeah. be just Amazon. good question, Mustafa. I yeah. love talking about one piece stuff. Koi <laughs> like says you mentioned Amazon has an escalate culture. If my account is deactivated and the seller support team don't want to bother with me, how should I escalate my case? A uh, couple different ways. Um, you can email the executive relations team, or which is jeff at amazon.com and put in all of your info. Uh, results vary here to never getting an answer, uh, getting an answer that doesn't help, or uh, sometimes they help. There's also the account reinstatement at Amazon email um, that you can uh, go to. Those don't work. Then you go to the forums, you go <laughs> and pitch your case and hope uh, a mod on the Amazon forums see you. But uh, we do also offer account reinstatement services at my Amazon guy uh, on our website. And we're very, very successful at it and very vigilant at um, getting your account back. 
When optimizing a broad match campaign, what is the best practice for those one-click, no-sales search terms? I mean, one click's not really enough to tell you anything. Um, I would just leave them, or if it's, I mean, if you've got like 50 one-click, no-sale search terms, then figure out which ones you can cut, right? Because obviously that'll start to get cost prohibitive. Um, that's why, that's another argument of why to limit the amount of keywords or targets you have in an individual campaign, but really one click is not enough to tell you anything. Let it sit there. Yep. I'm Once a, that's I'm 10 or 15 clicks, that. then you know. Not enough data, man. One yeah. click. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. I would Umer. You let it go to 10. Umer says hi. Hello, Umer. Hey, hello. 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 Grigor. Hey guys, I'm trying to create a prime discounted discount, but it says suppress because the reference price is not available. What does that mean? Oh, this keeps happening to everybody. I'll show you what it means. Let's do it together in Steven's account. <laughs> Hold on. Let me make sure I can get into a listing. Go into your go into your back end on your listing. We're gonna do it on one of these listings as soon as I can get this to upload here. There we go. Let's find something. Let's just go into his main product. Uh, so uh, go into your backend and click at it. Let's do this one. And wait for Amazon to load. <laughs> so you should have a reference price set here. Always list price. You can get suppressions if this is empty. A lot of people forget to put it in here. Um, so, uh, or sometimes Amazon just removes it <laughs> randomly, but, uh, put a list price here. It can be your current price or a higher price. It's a higher price. Uh, and then you, uh, end up going to your price or the offer price, which is usually here make it lower. Sometimes you can get a strike through. So we get strike through, make sure this is here. That's what it's saying is a reference. Also, if you have min max pricing set, you, um, that would be on the actual back in here all the way to the right. I don't think we have it. Oh, there it is right there. Yeah. So you see these are zero. These will also be uh, prices that can be referenced. So if you have these set and they're not actually doing anything, you don't have automated pricing on, then uh, I would go ahead and get rid of those as well. Update it with all of that information. Make sure you have a list price. Min max price is gone if you're not using it. And you're going to have to wait a little bit because the coupon thing takes some time. It'll keep giving you that error. But, uh, you know, wait a couple hours, try again. It should get rid of that error. But we do have one case. Uh, Colleen, one of my brand managers, just messaged me about it that we can't figure out why it's still saying it. So most of the time, what I just uh, uh, demonstrated works to fix the issue. Worst case scenario, if you can't fix the issue by Prime Day, don't do a Prime exclusive discount. Do a different discount, uh, sale, uh, coupon, something that you can uh, uh, still work with. Jordan, what's up, man? Uh, won't ship my product in an Amazon box. My product comes in a gift box itself, which is being damaged. During delivery, what can I take it SS with so it gets shipped in a box, not in a brown paper bag? <laughs> Go ahead, man. Yeah, I actually, the reason I'm holding my hand up is I had almost this exact issue um, when I was a director of product development um, at a, before I was full-time at a, at a Amazon agency when I was on the other side of it, your side of it, Jordan Lee, and I was... Um, trying to get products to market. Um, and I had this problem. I made the mistake of having our signing up our products for small and light shipping, thinking that I was being a super smooth operator and cutting my costs down. Right. And that's effectively what happened. We had these little 
soft boxes of coffee K-cup pods, right? And by me switching to small and light, they went from putting it inside an Amazon box to putting it in one of those manila envelopes. And of course, it was not a very sturdy box, so it would arrive constantly smashed. Sometimes the coffee would be messed up. Consumers were getting, uh, customers were getting angry. So each time that happens, right? Um, what I would say, Jordan Lee is, and I'll let Jason, Jason's probably got an easier workaround or some genius thing that he does that's better. What I had to do was each time there was a consumer complaint about that, because I complained and they're like, well, like, sorry, we're going to package it the way we want to package it, right? Like, sorry. Each time a customer would get angry and send, right, that, hey, your product arrived damaged, blah, 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 blah. I would instantly reach out and ask them for an image, right? If they let you, um, if they respond via, um, your ratings or whatever, right? Ask for an image and then send that, use that to create your seller support ticket and say, look, here's evidence of, you have to show them at least the last time I had to do this, right? You had to show them not one, but several cases over time of where this is impacting the customer experience before they would finally eventually put them in boxes for me. That's what I had to do um, was just each time something got damaged, I would try and catalog it so that I could then file a ticket with that information included. That's the way to go about it. Um, they won't probably listen to you change, uh, even if it's causing a severe negative customer experience. Steven has uh, talked about his hot sauce failure because of this many, many times. In fact, he just did a new YouTube short on it. That's kind of uh, really making the rounds. Um, yeah, they shipped glass bottles and, and uh, poly bags. And of course, <laughs> the customer got shattered glass hot sauce in a bag. Um, and ended up uh, uh, not going with that venture. Jordan Lee, the other thing I'll say um, is an important note is every time you get a bad review related to that, make sure you bring it to Amazon's attention, right? You know, when, when it's a fulfillment related issue and you report it to Amazon, they'll strike it through and say, Amazon takes responsibility for this, right? You just want to start showing over time how much this is impacting the experience. I was eventually able to it took me a while. It took, I think, you know, five or six different instances of consumers basically leaving me. Um, but they eventually did say, okay, I can see that at 40 or 50% clip, we're getting negative feedback because of this. And they put it in a box. I can't guarantee that will happen for you, but I would just say every time you see an instance of this is hurting my business, follow the prescribed steps to point it out to Amazon. It's really the best you can do. It's going to increase your costs, Jordan, but also see if your manufacturer can put the box in a box and see what that's going to cost. That's the other solution. Um, that's what that's what a lot of people end up having to do here. I have this hot sauce here. Um, you see, they put that like in a box instead of, uh, you know. <laughs> All right. Next question, Geraldine. Uh, Makedis, please, anyone guide how we achieve clients. Achieve clients. Achieve clients. There's plenty of oh, gurus out there. there, Jason. You want to what? Am I frozen? I think Matt's frozen or I'm frozen. It looks like Matt's frozen. Uh, there we are. Hello. All right. okay. <laughs> uh, start up, you know, uh, learn, learn, learn something specific. I always say this. Go on Upwork. Go on Fiverr. Be the guy that knows how to upload 200 images in 30 minutes and then go from there. And that's how you're going to start getting clients. Don't. If, especially if you're just getting started or you have limited experience in the space, don't try and say, oh, I can, uh, you know, reduce your ACoS and do your A plus content and uh, your SEO research and write all your copy for this amount. You're going to you're going to 
disappoint, and then you're also going you're going to disappoint yourself and uh, and the the customer, uh, unless you are perfect at everything. So, <laughs> but yeah, start with those sites. Apply for internships, jobs. There's plenty of agencies and everybody um, hiring. Alex says, "Good morning. How can I set up a business account?" You're talking about a professional account. You just uh, log into your Seller Central. If it's on individual, just add uh, for $39.99 a month. Um, if you're talking about the actual business account, um, it's like business at amazon.com. Business.amazon.com. Pretty sure it's a wholesale account. Uh, it says create a free account and make your account. <laughs> Follow the steps. You're gonna need LLC, all that stuff, and this is so that you can uh, not pay taxes on, um, uh, you know, like what's it called, resell ID, whatever it's called. Um, yeah. If you're talking about a vendor account, again, we already went over that invite only. Jane says, "Hello. What would you do if you are a U.S. brand with brand registry in the U.S. and U.K. only, and selling in Europe only via authorized partners?" continues to get rid of unauthorized sellers who sells at a way cheap price. Uh, okay, so is brand registry enough or should the brand be become gated? Are these products legitimate? Are they counterfeit? You have a lot better chance of just continuing to remove these people. Can you get your brand gated? Very, very hard unless you're some large, uh, large brand. Uh, the step to getting gated now also involves uh, introducing yourself to the Amazon transparency program at most of the time. Um, and if you want to get involved in the transparency program, that's extra cost and it might not be worth it as far as the labor and uh, the type of situations you're going to run into logistically to get all of your products switched over to the transparency program. Best uh, bet here is to continue to remove the hijackers and uh, counterfeit sellers. If it's legit product and you did a test buy, and it's actually your item, you have a break in your distribution change somewhere or your manufacturer is selling your product to somebody else and you need to figure out what steps need to be taken outside of Amazon. Long says, I have like five listings which use third-party UPC that I bought from Barcode Mania. Woo, Barcode Mania. <laughs> and I wish to replace them with UPC from GS1. Is it even possible? Yes. Um, our SOP for this, again, I say it every week, is like 70 pages long. It's got strike throughs in it, stuff that used to work. Sometimes this is easy as deleting uh, uh, the listing for 24 hours, submitting your GS1 certificate that has the brand name and the title connected to the product and asking uh, Amazon for a uh, GS1 merge. Um, two, as being as difficult as months and months of ticketing, depending on what kind of outcome you're getting on uh, Amazon's side. So uh, I think Stephen just did a podcast on this because this is this is like the hottest topic this past month. Like it's it's continuing to affect every seller, even on our podcast today. Uh, someone that's been selling for five years who probably bought their barcodes off of barcode barcode mania. mania. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, Long. Sucks, bro. <laughs> Next, <laughs> Julio. Uh, as you can see, I've been targeting uh, testing SD campaigns because my broad match modified campaigns have been doing great. Thanks, Matt. But in order to try it and retarget all of these Windows shoppers pre 
Prime Day is sponsored display a great strategy to try and capitalize on the increase of the clicks the last week. I'm only doing views and purchasing remarketing at 7, 14, 30 day look back. Yeah, I mean, Jaleel, yeah, I would say typically that is a good strategy. Obviously, right, like let the data guide you, right? I would say typically that's, we've seen that to be an effective strategy in the past, but it's, you know, there's gonna be a little bit of variance with each product, each brand. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's exactly what purchase remarketing is for, right? That's you're you're using it exactly as it's described to be, as it's designed to be used. Um, I would say keep those broad match modifiers going. We've had a lot of success with those. I'm glad you got some value out of that, Jaleel. I'm actually gonna do a video on those this week. Um, but yeah, I would say test it, let the data guide you. Um, the other thing you can do is if those broad match modifiers identify a really good search behavior, um, you might try moving it over to exact and seeing what it does. Um, but certainly I think that that's a great, uh, a great use of SD. Rosina, when launching a product on Amazon that is made by another brand who is not selling it on Amazon, but have a UPC in their name, how to list that product under UPC and brand's name or new UPC in my name, you need the best solution here, the best way to do this, the right way to do this. And if you have a relationship with this brand, which you should, because they're allowing you to sell your product, it seems, is to become a registered agent on their brand registry. They don't have to have an Amazon account. They don't have to have a brand registry account yet, but they need to make a brand registry account and register their brand on Amazon and then invite you as an authorized user, your account, and then you will have access to the brand benefits, all of the good stuff, and be able to list the product under the brand properly and create a plus content and a brand store and all that good stuff that comes search query performance, sponsored brands. What else? All the good stuff. Sponsored display. Social posts. Yeah. All right, that's it. <laughs> There's more. There's more. Jaleel, also typically, how long does it take for the SD campaigns to be approved? Is there a way for it? not to be approved i follow yes. all the guidelines here yeah so typically i mean it's, it's like many other changes on on amazon it can take anywhere from like five minutes to 48 hours right um the way that it won't be approved is yeah you you definitely need to follow their guidelines their terms of service even for like the type of video the, the creative itself um if the video doesn't have the right frame rate if it doesn't have the right length, right? If it's more than like 45 seconds, I think it's 15 to 30 is like the prime uh, uh, length. Um, but so if it covers, if it adds, if it advertises your product in a way that's against Amazon terms, they're like, literally, if you go, if that video crosses the line on any Amazon terms of term of service, it won't be approved. Um, so typically, as long as you're really paying attention to those terms of service, it should be okay, but it's not just Jaleel. The one thing I'll say is a lot of people go, oh, I followed everything. I don't understand. There's terms of service in terms of what the actual video or creative needs to be in terms of like pixel rate, frame rate, how big is it? All those things. There's also the messaging, right? The messaging, right? Um, down to like, you can't have too many exclamation points in your call to action. If a video has um, misleading language, right? If it's, if it's, advertising in any way that Amazon is not comfortable with. So in terms of, I would even look at how like the messaging guidelines work, right? Because that's something else that you can, if the content of the video itself doesn't follow guidelines, you can also get pulled. Um, so pay attention to both of those, right? Format and then content. Both of those need to fall in line. 
Oh no, <laughs> the boss. Always good when you get a pat on the back from the boss. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Steven. Thanks, Steven. Jaleel, thanks for the clarification. I knew it sounded fishy. He also told me to set up my SD views remarketing campaigns to start the day after Prime Day instead of now. I'm not sure if this is a good strategy. Mm, could be. I mean, like, here's the thing. Like, this is why I say target liberally, bid conservatively, right? Because that allows you to do a lot of testing. And I think that testing and letting the data guide you is the only infallible way, right? Like, everybody has got a chic new strategy or methodology or this is the trick, this is the hack. You're always going to see that stuff, right? But ultimately, those things are going to work to varying degrees across varying accounts and market strategies and products, blah, 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 blah. But if you stay true to what the data in your account is actually telling you, you won't go wrong. So I would say that on the surface, SD views remarketing the day after Prime Day, I would actually set it up maybe during Prime Day because typically most of the window shopping is going before Prime Day, right? And then they come back for the Prime Day deals to actually make a purchase, Right. So the SD views remarketing, I don't know that I'd set that up the day after Prime Day, because typically if they saw you and didn't buy on Prime Day, they're not then going to want to like check. Oh, well, now that the deals are over and I have to pay more, let me see what this product is like. Um, again, could I could I be wrong? Could the data like completely make an idiot out of me and contradict everything I just said? Sure. But I would think, Julia, a smarter strategy would be actually to set up remarketing campaigns to run in in correspondence with prime day right because typically right now if they know if, if shoppers this is the first time we've done an october prime day but in july in the summer when we typically run prime day what we see is a week running up to prime day we see a lot of engagement but but the orders this these uh conversion rate on a lot of things will drop because people are window shopping right they're like okay i like this product i'm gonna wait to see what the prime day deal is Right. So I would actually say run that remarketing campaign on in, in correspondence with Prime Day. Right. Because then somebody who window shopped your product or your brand last week, but was just waiting for Prime Day to go into effect. Um, I'd rather capture that audience, but, you know, try it both ways and see. Maybe I'm wrong. All right, Geraldine, next question. Then let me know how many questions we have left, please, Geraldine. Uh, I, that one just flashed by. It I just said hi, like, Jason. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Can you share some unique methods and tips for product research to find a winning product? Uh, <laughs> yep. Go ahead, Matt. Um, price point is huge, right? I mentioned that earlier on this on this podcast, right? Um, the best products for Amazon, again, not looking at what the product is or your go-to-market strategy or all those other things that impact it, right? Um, price point, if you are the, the best products typically that win on Amazon are between $35, $40, $80 to $90, right? Um, margin, right? If you can get in that price point and have a good deal of margin, because here's the thing, here's, um, it depends on what you're trying to sell, but if you're, it doesn't matter what you're trying to sell. If you're new, right? If you're new to Amazon, your brand is new, your products are new to the marketplace. Um, you are not going to break into market share of established people of established brands without advertising dollars, right? Advertising is what's going to allow you to drive eyes to your page especially when it's new at a level that's going to allow you to compete with your more established competitors. Right. So it's imperative that you have enough margin to do that without, right. Like if, like if one of our, one of our uh, questioners earlier had an 1199 product, I'm guessing their landed costs just to get the product there is seven or $8. Right. So then they've got two or three bucks to spend on advertising before they're upside down. 
guess what? Your average cost per click is like a dollar, right? Your average conversion rate is 10%. Do the math, right? That doesn't work. Um, so do all that. That's I'll let Jason add like product types that he sees because he's much better at this sort of stuff than I am. But what I will say is uh, I know advertising and find a product that you can have margin in and can be comfortably priced, whether you're trying to be a premium or a bargain, doesn't matter. You can be comfortably priced with a lot of margin to spend on advertising in the 40 to 80, $90 range. That gives, that gives you the best chance, no matter what you're selling to like have enough space to spend the amount of advertising dollars you need to spend to drive the amount of traffic to be competitive. I just say, say what Steven always says, you know, uh, it's best to find, if this is your first product, it's best to find something that, you know, um, that takes into, you know, takes into account everything Matt just said, uh, your familiarity with a hobby or something like that is going to put you way further than anybody just looking at helium 10 data or jungle scout data. Um, as far as, you know, you do want to know search volume. That's another thing. Well, um, yeah, obviously, but yeah, I'm just right. Like, how many not, people are buying that product right now on Amazon? Yeah. Does it have a market already? If you're trying to create the vertical for yourself, that's going to be more challenging. Then you have to, okay, how do I, how do I explain and make the consumer aware of like what problem I'm solving and what they need in an image, right? So that's the other thing I would look at is if you're going to go to Amazon, it's much easier to do inside an established vertical where there's already people buying stuff, similar stuff to what you're selling. Right? Uh, Josh says, I've created a brand. And create an Amazon web page. How do I go in and brand all my 500? <laughs> so your what? products were already uploaded. You've now just gotten the brand registry. Oh, man. Oh, you are in for a fun time. <laughs> you need to do a brand name change depending on what you did uh, as far as what brand you uploaded those 500 products under. If you uploaded them under like generic or something like that, you're going to have to start with your number one product, your hero sellers, and go down from there. Uh, as we always say, uh, get the brand, brand registry, make first ticket, say, Amazon, please connect my brand registry, brand name, Josh F, to my merchant token ID, uh, Amazon account, Seller Central. Your merchant token ID can be found in your account settings under token, merchant token. It's a long number. Or I should say it has letters in it too. Um, that case first, wait for them to connect it. Then you should be able to see that you can create a brand store. Um, you'll have access to A plus content, your search query performance, all that stuff. Now you need to get your ASINs brand name changed. Um, this could be as simple as going into the back end and seeing a drop down under the brand uh, column and uh, just swapping it to Josh F brand sometimes, but it's never that easy. Um, the other option is doing a full update flat file uh, with all 500 with the new brand name. Since the brand name is connected to your merchant token ID, sometimes that can work, oftentimes not. Then you have to do brand name changes, which is getting uh, cell phone pictures of the product with the brand name affixed on the product or the product packaging and creating cases to get the brand attached to the ASIN. This often involves um, deletions for 24 hours and updates. And so that just explains how simple or how difficult the process can be depending on how screwed up your 
back end is and how and Amazon's response. <laughs> Good luck, Josh. Samir, the price is not showing on my listings. Display on Amazon. You are suppressed. Um, should, send us the ASIN. We'll, we'll we'll tell you exactly what's wrong. Um, but we got a lot of we got a lot of questions. More than ten here that we got to get through. So rapid rapid fire here, Matt. Oh, uh, Mike says, is there an amount you typically bid reduce a keyword where the keyword is relevant, but the ACOS is above target? Matt? I love this question. Great question, Mike. Uh, yeah, I started I started like 10% if I'm just moving in increments, right? It also depends on how high the ACOS is and how much data I have to support it, right? So if my target ACOS is 25% and I've got 50 clicks, so I know it's good data, and my current ACOS is 150%, I'm probably bid reducing more severely. Then if my I'm trying for 25% and my ACOS is 40%, then it's probably a bit more incremental. But I would say typically, I would say 10% bid reduction is a, is a typical adjustment. And then you get more extreme from there. It's, it's like driving a car, right, Mike? Baby adjustments make baby corrections. You don't want to jerk the wheel unless you're trying to avoid a wreck. So if you're at 400% ACOS, it's okay to jerk the wheel and, and maybe drop your bid 50%, right? Otherwise, if you're just trying to make course corrections, okay, I'm a little bit over an ACOS. I want to bring it down 10, 20%. Bid reduce ten percent, and go from there. Just watch what the data does. Uh, I don't really have an SOP. We just monitor the data regularly. Um, so we are looking at our competition, and then we're looking at how price changes affect our conversion and CTR rate over time um, on the brand management side. Jason, do you have anything you guys do there? The SOP for measuring price elasticity. Right. How much a price on a product for a given yeah. set of products is going to change over time? Yeah. I mean. You can, you, you can, I, I know the, our business analyst, analyst team does some elasticity reports, but I mean, you might as well throw a dart. Uh, <laughs> like, I would um, typically look at what the other, what the other, you can look at price change over time, right? When yeah. You, you got like a third party tool or, um, and so I would look at that, look at those little graphs that they provide on the landing page and just see, you know, look at what your competition is doing. Your five, top five, 10 competitors, that'll probably give you a good clue. What's up, Enrique? Kike. <laughs> Enrique yeah. is the best project management, the best project manager. How can we uh, change our listing content when Amazon did not update it and we can change our content after going live on that listing? Uh, sounds like you're trying to change your title, or your bullets in the in the back end, just the edit and it's not sticking on the PDP. Might have another contributor error or a vendor central contribution or uh maybe another marketplace contributing uh do do a template file uh update on what you're trying to update uh try a partial update first and then if that doesn't work do a full update uh if you ticket amazon they're gonna tell you a many number of different things there's another contributor um there's a retail contribution uh, all that stuff you need to figure out where that's coming from uh if you have someone else selling your listing or you bought this company from somebody else or something like that uh, and then uh, last but not least, the delete for 24 hours and then a full update temple, uh, template file upload. If you're brand registered, there's a uh, listing uh, change uh, option in the ticketing uh, column there in brand registry, but they're going to tell you the same instructions that um, I just kind of went over with. Studio 11, how do I ask for a, a hazmat review? Uh, I think a hazmat review. Um, there should be... When you go and try and make your FBA shipment, there's a little, it'll say under hazmat review. Should be something you can click there. 
Um, and it's under hazmat review. Uh, when they get to it, they'll get to it. You can ticket them all you want and they'll just say, hey, this takes anywhere from, I mean, I've seen it take months, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, that, that's a, that's hazmat review, man. Fun stuff. Fun, fun stuff. Basim says weekly and monthly purchase data and the search query performance report are completely different from sales dashboard. We sell around 200 units monthly. We get only around 10 purchases in the total in the SQP report. Now this came up last week in Slack. I don't know if you read the thread, Matt. Uh, it was one of your guy, one of your team members that, that brought it. Um, and I think Guillermo. Uh, yeah. So what did we come to a conclusion? I know Isa was on to something. And I'm trying to remember what um, conclusion it's, it's, it's going to depend on a couple different things, right? So, um, number one, are there, are you the only one selling your ASIN, right? Are there any, because like if it's sponsored brand and stuff like that, you can sometimes get sales that aren't directly attributed to your business report. Um, time windows. I forget where easy. Okay, so, so I think yeah. what we, I think what we, and we, we, we don't know the hundred percent answer here. So there's some sort of data that's missing, right? We see it. We checked multiple accounts. Um, that said, we were thinking that it doesn't count PPC sales because that matched up on a few accounts. Um, and then, then it didn't on another account. We were thinking that there's some sort of attribution, like super delay on this data. because an attribution. Yeah. yeah, because this, this data, is, there's so much of it and Amazon's pushing it out that uh, there's like maybe like a 20 day delay. So we're going back, but then we looked back like, you know, in January and it was, it was still off. Right. So um, then I think, that, I think it's, it's just a bit, I think the short answer is just a bit glitchy. That's I would say in general though, you never want to use one data point, right? So search query report, like don't look at it as the end all be all Basim, right? Like look at it as just like another guidepost, another indicator of like, okay, generally here's here's how things are moving right positive negative um but i wouldn't especially anything really from the brand analytics tab i wouldn't i wouldn't try to take that from the macro down to the micro so um, here here's amazon's answer that we did find at the end of the thread matt and of course it's very big it's this <laughs> yeah, part I right here. Say, i don't remember it being much of an answer but not all queries qualify it's it's even it's even bad grammar not all queries qualifies to be part of this dashboard. <laughs> See, even Matt's dog is upset at this. Yeah, it doesn't like it. Like... It doesn't like it. <laughs> so, Basim, here's your answer right here. We don't know why. <laughs> Unfortunately, Amazon has not given us that information yet. Basim, whenever we touch the title and do any changes to it, the ASIN gets deranked for many keywords instantly i always notice that using h keyword tracker do you notice the same anytime you make seo changes um there, there's going to be some sort of there's going to be a period usually 24 48 hours where uh, the system the algorithm everything keep helium 10 is getting used to this change don't go changing your stuff every other day you're going to really screw it up um make your changes at one at a time kind of like matt uh, mentioned earlier, if you're going to increase your price and change your main image at the same time, wait, do one or the other, you know, um, then you don't know what is increasing or decreasing your conversion. Right. Uh, but yes. Yeah. Of course we see stuff like this. It, it, it's, it's very common. 
uh, make your changes. Sorry, go ahead, Matt. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, I mean, and, and really like every, you know, that's why we, we update SEO title bullets, but every 30 to 60 days typically, right? Based on traffic. Um, it's not bad if you're doing it with intention, right? But yeah, like Jason said, doing it every other day, doing it just as a dartboard metric without like some scientific testing methodology behind it, right? Like um, you want to be doing it for a reason. So yeah, I agree. Don't change Like every 30 to 60 days tops, right? Find something that works for you and then leave it. It's not set and forget it. You do want to. No, not yeah, set yeah. and forget it. <laughs> I meant, I meant don't, yeah, don't yeah, yeah. mess with it every single day. All right. We've got, we've, we've got seven minute rapid fire, Matt. Studio Let's 11, go. I don't understand what you meant by remote fulfillment. Sorry, new seller. Thanks. Uh, look up the Amazon remote fulfillment or just uh, look up NARF, NARF, uh, Amazon uh, Seller Central. You'll get a fact that tells you everything about it. But basically, you're enrolled. You got auto-enrolled. They auto-enrolled any eligible products a couple months ago uh, where all, all of your FBA inventory in U.S. Um, warehouses is eligible to be shipped to Canada or Mexico without you having to actually ship the products or uh, deal with Canadian VAT or anything like that. So basically, that's the, the short example. Jake says, I'm secondary user in 10 plus Amazon accounts uh, helping others by creating my own Amazon seller account. Did this cause a related accounts issue? No, 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 no. Because you're a secondary user. Um, the where, you, where people run into issues is if you uh, give someone your admin login for your Seller Central um, ID and they're in New York and you're in California and, and uh, you log in and you already had an account maybe like years ago that you sold on and maybe the account health is bad or something like that because you stopped paying attention to it. And then they link those two accounts by IP. Um, you know, we, we have thousands of permissions, secondary users, uh, at the agency. There's no issues. Um, you're fine there. Yeah. Brian says, uh, any news as to what we need to do for the upcoming fall prime event to get the badges, which badges you got to tell me like the prime, like the lightning deal badges, prime badges, the prime exclusive badges, prime exclusive deals. I don't know. I haven't seen any badges. This was the most poorly marketed prime day i've ever seen in my entire life i'm only just now logging into amazon and seeing an ad for it i watched the entire thursday night football game last night and i didn't see any advertising for it and that's amazon's streaming platform so uh very poorly done i really hope we all get the extra traffic we want but i'm not um i'm i'm not <laughs> what's it called uh optimistic uh, Optim, thank you, Matt. I'm I'm so I'm at a loss of words. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Next, <laughs> Manny. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, Manny. You get live pictures of a listing show, also in Google Images. When I update a picture, does the last one stay in Google? Thank you. Good vibes. Uh, so Amazon advertises uh, on Google on your behalf. You're not advertising on Google, except for there's uh, what's it called, Matt? Uh, DSP. DSP. Thank you. Um, so, so when you change your image on Amazon, it's going to take a while for them to swap that out on Google. Um, that, that's what I've seen. Uh, I, I have one client, their old image from uh, six months ago is still the one that shows up on Google. And we've ticketed Google who doesn't care. We've ticketed Amazon who is like, oh, we can't control that. And so what do you do? Like, Few more questions. Where are we at, Geraldine? 
Uh, Steven says on one click. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so that really quickly, that's related to the question from earlier yeah. where they were one saying, what if I have one click, a bunch of, a bunch of keywords with one click and no sales. Right. So what Stephen Pope, the Amazon guy is telling you there is if a lot of your keywords are closely related and or have similar root terms, um, look for trends in within those. Right. Maybe you've got 20 keywords, but they're very, very similar. Right? Look for trends, meaning if combined, you've got 20 very similar keywords combined. Each one has one click, but combined 20 clicks and no sales. Right. You can sum total and, and make action that way. Perfect. When editing the listing, I always get the advice that listing has a low quality and then I have to correct fields with flag icon, but no field has a flagged icon. Ah, okay. So let's go into real quick. Most likely issue here is either a browser issue, you need to clear your Chrome cache or let's share my screen. There's a... This one doesn't have it because everything's open. There's a either a green link here that says um, suggest to make changes that you have to click, then it opens up all of the details. Or there's a little button over here that says uh, additional attributes or um, more details or something like that. Ch uh, check and, and see if those are there. And that then these all these other fields will open up and one of them will be lit up red. So say it was like more details, it'll be lit up red. And then as you scroll down, it'll say like, um, you know, this will be red right here. It'll say like dimensions required or something like that. Okay. That's usually the issue here. Brian says, is it still best practice to run both FBA and FBM? The FBM listings are being added to all of the North American markets and the cost to send it internationally is not worth it. Don't ship the FBM internationally. Just <laughs> The reason, Brian, is you just, if you ever run out of FBA inventory, you always want to have a listing active. No problem there. Uh, backups. Always want backups and backups. Steve, may I please have some guidance on LTL case back shipments? Amazon has been opening my case packs and sending single units inside my case as a unit instead of the entire eight pack set as a case. This sounds like your warehouse or whoever's doing your labeling is messing up. Yep. Not it's Amazon. Your, it's your, yeah, up. it's going to say you need to make sure that your labels are doing. Um, you have three labels at the LTL level, Steve. Right. So you've got the individual unless unless. You've been smart enough. You were smarter than me and had the foresight to, for your Amazon boxes, you got the ASIN printed on the box or, or a, a GTIN exception rather than having to be barked. Otherwise, you have to have a, um, a FN SKU uh, unit sticker that goes on each individual item, right? Then you have a case pack sticker, which goes on your larger case pack, right? Then you have a pallet sticker, which goes on your LTL, like once you've wrapped it and actually put it on a pallet, right? If you screw any of those up, that could be one of the one of the things that happens, right? Is because each one of those labels, when they scan it, is giving them instructions about how to pick and pack your product. Long says, for the UPC with GS1, should I buy code with company prefix or individual G10? I heard from lots of people that single G10 no longer work. Um, so again, I uh, had a long podcast with, or a good podcast with Michelle on, on Tuesday. She says that this is fixed, the single G10 issue. Um, there was an issue, um, but uh, it is now fixed. And it, if you're a small company, you only have a couple products, not, not, not worth it to get the company prefix. It's, it's, it's quite pricey. So do the single G10. You should be fine. The most important thing is GS1 is going to ask you for your business name. 
So on the G GS1 certificate, it's going to say, you know, Long's LLC. Amazon is going to connect it to the brand name. Amazon thinks, say your brand was Heart, like our, our example earlier. If it sees Heart and then it sees Long's LLC on the on the GS1 certificate, it's going to say no, right? And then you have to write yourself a letter of authorization saying Long's L or, or I Heart brand give Long's LLC full permission to list products on Amazon, blah, blah, blah. And then submit that with your certification and it will make the connection finally. Um, that's the big issue. And they are working on fixing that issue. Um, that's like, because it's the biggest issue right now on UPC GS1. Steven's a, a spam in his GS1 video. He did do a big uh, GS1 um, uh, video the other day. Uh, Amrit says, uh, hi, can I have multiple brands on one GS1 account? If, if so, how? The, the GS1, again, is connected to the company that you register with. Um, you it's not connected to your Amazon account. It's connected at the UPC uh, level and the brand level, at the company ownership level, I should say. This is the big mix-up that Amazon is having with these because um, there's no brand connection. So your brand's going to be different on Amazon than your actual company name. So um, to answer your question, can you have multiple brands, multiple companies on one GS1 account? I don't think so. If you're doing company prefix, then it's tied to that company. Those, those first couple digits are tied to that company. Uh, they're not going to be let you have two companies there as far as um, our podcast on Tuesday. Um, can you have multiple brands on an Amazon account? Yes. Can you have multiple, uh, can you buy single GS1s with different companies and different brands? Yeah, of course. No problem. Single use. You don't have to have the company prefix on that. Oh, Matt, we did it. Oh, is it Matt? <laughs> hold on, hold on, Geraldine, you're ahead of me. Thank you, everybody, for joining the live Q&A every Friday. Matthew Davis, thank you, my, my good friend here. Always uh, happy to be here. Thank you. You sir. can go to myamazonguy.com, and if you need one-on-one -on -one help, you can go to our coaching page. You can talk with Steven, myself, Matthew, Siobhan, if you're having any uh, troubleshooting issues, or we've even got Francisco here. Um, we have mag-school.com launch, launching new courses constantly. We have $10 courses for the most part, $20 courses. If you are uh, new, intermediate, or even expert uh, level here, there's a lot of good information. Again, our biggest core value at my Amazon guy is learning and we love to give out to the community. Obviously, we have all of our YouTube videos as well for free content and answers. Um, and I think I covered it. Uh, Tuesday, Faith will be back with Enrique, I think, um, doing their yeah. podcast. So make sure to show up Tuesday at 5 Eastern um, for a live Q&A with Faith and Enrique. Matt, thank you again. Happy to be here. Thanks for Every having me. Everyone, we'll see Thank you everybody. next Friday. <laughs> Have a nice weekend.